Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state, online, wherever you're tuned in. Bob Kelly and Luke, we're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Going to get right to the show. Full guest list today, but first, of course, we want to uh, mention the passing of a Southern Miss legend, NFL legend, Ray Guy, who lost his life to an extended uh, illness just yesterday we'll be talking a lot more about ray guy uh, in the bottom of the show but uh, needless to say uh one of the greatest if not the greatest arguably athlete uh, to play at southern miss and an nfl legend as well okay but first want to talk about basketball women's basketball got started last night uh, the lady eagles beat auburn montgomery in an exhibition game 81 78 before we get to coach mcdellis luke you said uh uh, Leah Grayson, pretty good night on the floor last night. Yeah, she not only played thirty minutes, which is you know for for your big, that's that's really good. But yeah, a a double double, not just the double double, but a a big double double, twenty one points and twenty rebounds. And Dom Davis also added twenty eight points, so forty nine points between your shooter and and your big down low. Great night for the to, to start the uh, twenty. 22-2023 season. All right, great visit with Coach McDellis in her office this morning before media day. She talked about the game last night and the expectations for another Lady Eagle basketball season. Okay, women's basketball coach Joylee McNellis uh, on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Coach, after last year's performance and all the kids coming back this year, a lot of big expectations, but what are your expectations for the year? You know, number one, Bob, we've got to continue to grow as a team because some of the roles, I mean, we, we turn return 61% of our offense. We really do, and that really consists of Malik Grayson and Dominique Davis, two players. But the other players have to step their game up, which includes Rose Warren, Lauren Gross. I would say Brickayla Gray, but unfortunately she's out. Um, she is suffering some blood clot issues. Um, we just recently found out she had one in her leg, broke off, is in her lungs. Mm. We do not know how long she is going to be out. That's a big blow for us, to be very honest with you. Um you know, so that hurts us because she's been a two-year starter for us. Um, so Rose Warren, Lauren Gross has really got to elevate their play. And then those four freshmen last year that didn't get to play very much has got to elevate their play as well. Then you have to look at the signees, our transfers. Jacoria Bracey from Ole Miss has got to elevate her play, get a feel for the system. And then you've got the JUCO transfer and Lonnie Cornfield that came out of Northwest Florida has got to step up. She's got to fill some roles. Uh, Femi Funes 
Thomas, which is another transfer from Seton Hall that really has some special abilities right now. She's battling some arthritic issues. Don't know that status yet. Um, and then the freshman, the long freshman, Sade Watkins, I'm going to tell you, she's a freak athlete. Don't know where she's going yet and what she's going to do, but she makes some unbelievable plays every now and then. All right, the first two kids that you mentioned, Malika and uh, Dominique, uh, all-conference, preseason all-conference. I've had the chance to meet them mm-hmm. through their fundraisers. Great kids, uh, huge players for you. They are. And, you know, right now both of them are truly the offensive leaders of our team. Um, you know, we had an exhibition game. We've had um, our scrimmage, and Dom basically has taken over the games. In our exhibition game, you know, Dom scored 28 points in three quarters and really took over in that third quarter. I mean, we had a very close game. We did not play very well at all. They played a five-out game. Uh, Auburn Montgomery, Malia had to guard a three-ball shooter, which is a great experience for her. Uh, Malia, again, had 20 and I think 16 or 19 rebounds. Uh, but again, she's got to learn to be able to guard on the perimeter because that's what the Sun Belt's going to present for us. Yeah. Uh, so again, other players did not play well. It was the Dom and Malia show. And in order for us to be successful, other players have got to step up. And But those two players, the thing is, is their errors have to be limited. Malia has to be able to stay in the game. Malia's conditioning has to be much better. And, you know, you and I have talked about that on the show uh, with the other guys, Larry and Kelly, that that is something she has to do. She has to be willing to do that and get better at that because, you know, Having Kelsey Jones graduate and, you know, we lost Macy Weaver, it really makes us a little thin in the post. Uh, you talk, you mentioned Lauren Gross and you mentioned Rose Warren. And watching the team last year, those kids really brought some juice off the bench. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, and now their roles have changed. That They did. They were big factors for us last year. But now their role has changed. And it's like in the exhibition game, they were just there. They were not game changers. And, you know, I challenged both of them after the exhibition game the other night. And I said, hey, this is the deal. You can't just be a warm body on the floor. you got to be a game changer. And that's where both of them have got to understand how to better prepare mentally. It's not really physical with them. It's the mental aspect of accepting that accountability, that responsibility, and they want to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just hard. It's hard when you move over one seat as a head coach. It's hard when you move up as a president of a company. It's just hard, the mental side, not necessarily the physical side. And again, that's going to be a process for them to be able to do that. They want to do it. They want to accept it. Uh, I think losing Berkela at this point really kind of discourages them because all three of them are big buddies. And so it's just kind of like it's a letdown for them mentally. And so they just got to assume that role and take that on. All right. New conference, all new teams. Mm -hmm. Will it be a different style of basketball you're competing against? Indeed. And I think the exhibition game against Auburn Montgomery was a great opportunity. It's like as we're going up at halftime, Dom Davis is – Coach, leave Malia in there. She's going to have to guard a three-ball shooter in the Sun Belt, and that's very true. Um, she's got to learn to guard. She's got to learn to guard on the perimeter. And 
that's what's the difference. You know, in this in Conference USA, we had post players. Uh, a lot of teams in the Sun Belt may have one post player, and they're going to play sometimes five guards, sometimes four guards, and only one post. And so the deal is, is Malia's got to either dominate inside or she's got to be able to guard outside. And so that's kind of a conflict of styles. And so as a staff, we have worked really hard in a transition defensive side of the game and our workouts and our practices so that we can get better at that because we're going to have to because they don't run somebody to the rim to shoot a layup. They run everybody to the three-point line, and that is hard when you have done all your life run to the basket to protect instead of run to three-point lines and protect. It's just a different style. So, again, it will be a process. We have to continue to work at that because even as a player, if you started playing in the eighth grade and you're a sophomore or junior in college, that's a long time for you to run to the paint and really change that in three months and figure out how to get ready for that. It's just a difference, and we've had to work with that. we got some great practice guys, Bob. They're really trying to help us, but it's just an everyday process for us to get better at that. All right, final question. This coming Monday, uh, you and your ladies play William Carey. The men play William Carey. That's become a really cool deal every year, hasn't it? It really is, and I'm very appreciative of our mayor, uh, he has a press conference downtown a few days prior to that. It's always a lot of fun. He calls it the tip-off for basketball. Actually, this year he called it the kickoff for basketball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, again, it's it starts a basketball season in our city. We have two great universities here. It's a great opportunity. We have Education Day where we invite the schools. It gives the kids in our community, Bob, a great opportunity to see tremendous role models, to be able to be on a college campus, to be able to see people. I mean, because we all have student athletes from different parts, not only in Mississippi, but from different states. So they get to experience that. They get to see that. They get to see teamwork. In both programs, Tracy does a tremendous job over at Cary, and we both have great young ladies. I mean, we don't have any craziness. Neither one of us do. And what great role models for people in our community and these kids to be able to come see that. So it is at 11 o'clock. It is our education day. And I'm so thankful that William Carey comes over and plays us on this special day. It's It would be awesome if it could be a double header during a day and we could start really early during earlier than 11 o'clock mm-hmm. but what a great opportunity for our community to come out and support both universities all right coach best of luck you're gonna come on the show all during the season right yes sir i'm ready okay. I, i'm a bob getty fan all right thank you coach thank you you heard that last part there you said just wanted to make sure you got that uh, you're breaking up, Bob. Your, <laughs> your cell signal's bad. Uh, she's, All right, Eagle, she's very courteous. Yeah, yes, she's extremely sorry. courteous. Eagle Hour will be at Reed Green Coliseum next Monday. Uh, we'll be talking to Coach McNellis right after the William Carey game. Coach Steve Knight and Jay Ladner both joining us uh, on the same time at the, on the set. Looking forward to that. That'll be a fun day. All right, when we come back, uh, I learned today from Kelly and uh, Will East, there's high school football tonight. Big games. All right, so we're going to bring Will on a day early. We're going to talk about the big high school games around the state. Coming up on the Super Talk Eagle Hour.
Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank Coach Jordan Lee McNellis for joining us uh, in the first segment, taking the time to sit down for the interview this morning. Quick reminder, Eagle Hour will be at Reed Green Coliseum next Monday as basketball season officially kicks off. Exhibition games between Cary and Southern Miss, both women and men's games, and uh, that is the official kickoff of basketball here in the Pine Belt. Also, I want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring that segment, as well as our good friends at Campus Bookmart, uh, where you can uh, be sure you find the best Southern Miss apparel for the home game this Saturday afternoon against Georgia State. All right, normally we have Will Ease from the Super Talk uh, High School Scoreboard on the show every Friday, but a lot of big games taking place tonight, so Will's going to step into the show just a day early. Okay, Will, even though it's Thursday, I'll give you the traditional opening. The big three high school games of the week are? Well, 4A, 3A, and 2A will all be in playoff mode, so all those games are big. There's not a lot of great matchups, but, you know, win and advance. And lose, and you're doing inventory on Monday. But in 6A, 5A, and 1A, we got games tonight, and I'll give you one 6A game and then a, a, a whole bunch of uh, 5A games. The one 6A game to keep your eye on is Madison Central at Oxford. The defending state champs, Madison Central, will be traveling to Oxford tonight, and uh, there's a lot of playoff scenarios that are occurring. Basically, the battle is for the second, third, and fourth spot tonight. Uh, if Madison Central wins, uh, they could be as high as the second, as the third seed, or if they lose, they could be the fourth seed. They're going to be in the playoffs either way. Um, for Oxford, they need to win tonight to keep their playoff hopes alive. There's a couple different scenarios, and I won't bore you with all of them, but there's a lot of different stuff out there. Starkville is still technically, mathematically, whatever you want to call it, alive. There's a scenario for them to make the playoffs. That was you know, a very highly ranked team in the middle part of the season before they went on a little bit of a losing skid. So Region 2 of 6A is very interesting. In Region 3 of 6A, of course, Brandon plays Pearl in the Rankin County Super Bowl tonight. And Brandon could either be – this is the, the top team in the state for most of the year. They could either be the number one seed or they could fall all the way to the number three seed. Oak Grove plays Northwest Rankin tonight. They could go from being the number one seed all the way down to being the number four seed. Um, and then, of course, Warren Central is already in the playoffs. They could be as high as number one or number three. So there's all these different scenarios. And in Region 4, Ocean Springs is a lock for the number one seed. So there you go. 5A is where things are a lot more interesting. Region 1, West Point probably could be number one seed, possibly number two if they lose. And there's a couple other scenarios there. Region 2, Vicksburg has already clinched their first regional title. By the way, their first regional title since 1990. It has been 32 years since Vicksburg won a division title, and they win it this year. How about that? Good for them. Uh, Neshoba Central yeah, number, Neshoba Central's number 2, Callaway 3, uh, Holmes County Central 4. Um, Region 3 is where it's just, I didn't get into this business to do math, uh, but here we are. And it's like a shoelace that's all knotted up. Now, Hattiesburg is the number one seed, but Hattiesburg and Laurel will obviously play in the uh, 101st edition of the Battle for the Little Brown Jug on Saturday. Regardless of what happens tonight, that game, even though Hattiesburg has already locked up the the top spot, that game is going to play a huge role because Laurel could either be the number two seed or, depending on what happens, could be out of the playoffs. 
That's how crazy of a swing we're seeing, guys, in that Region 3, which is always crazy. West uh, Jones and Wayne County play tonight, and that one, actually, there's some points involved in that one. If And I can't remember the exact deal, but if West Jones wins by five points or more, this is going to happen or that'll happen. It's it's so complicated. You, I hate giving out all the scenarios because there's literally – 20 different things that could have happened. You could spend a whole hour talking about Region 3 and the craziness there. And then, oh, by the way, Florence, the team that started the season 5-0, and who's now in the fifth spot, could move up to number four depending on if this happens or that happens. Region 3 is so crazy. The team that started 0-4 clinched the regional title. The team that started 5-0 and has a very slim chance of making the playoffs. That's how fun Region 3 is of 5A is this year. And by the way, you don't want to be the fourth seed in Region 3 because the fourth seed is going to have the, the uh, dubious task of either playing Picayune or Gaucher, who plays tonight. And I don't know who's operating the scoreboard for Picayune or Gaucher, but I hope they're getting a nap right now because they're going to need it. Gaucher has scored over 40 points in all but two games this season. Their quarterback, Caden Irving, has accounted for 25 touchdowns. In the past three games, that's how many touchdowns this kid is. He's thrown 20 touchdowns in three games, and he rushed for another five. Hmm. And they're the underdog. Picayune is the best team in all of 5A right now. Dante Dowdle, who is all-world, is averaging like 10 yards per carry. Uh, so that's going to be a monster game. And the winner of that one will be the number one seed in Region 4 of 5A. That region three and four, that it's been so fun to watch that this year, uh, but especially region three with the craziness that normally happens there, right, guys? This must be the year of the Gator because you just mentioned it's been that long since Vicksburg has won. Goche, with all due respect, has not been very good. Both of those in in the years past, but both having great years this year, and they are both Gators. So this must, I don't know, yeah. if on the Chinese calendar, it's the year of the Gator. But and why be. so many Thursday night games, Will? So they announced this back in June, and I think they didn't say why, the MHSAA, but I think it's because of referees. So typically they like to add a few more referees for playoff games uh, and for these, these last regular season games. That way they get calls correct and it's a little bit more accurate. And so last week, 4A, 3A, and 2A played on Thursday night. 6A, 5A, and 1A played on Friday night. Tonight, or this this week, it's reversed, where 6A, 5A, and 1A will play their final regular season games tonight, and then 4A, 3A, and 2A will play their games on their playoff, their first-round playoff games on Friday night. I don't like it. No one that I've talked to does like it, but it's kind of a necessity. And by the way, if you know anybody that wants to be a referee, I would – encourage you to reach out to the MHSAA and become a referee because they have a shortage, and they've had a shortage for two years now, basically, and um, we need all the help we can get. It's one of those things you don't even think about till you need one. Right. Luke, get in here. Yeah, well, I'll be at the uh, the West Jones-Wayne County game tonight. Just as a fan, we're going to, tomorrow night, Jones County game of the week, we're going to to North Pike for, for Northeast Jones uh, to, is there on the road. But, yeah, this one tonight – you know, Wayne County, West Jones, Wayne County leads at 18 to 10. Uh, Wayne County's quarterback, Hankins, has, has, uh, has really come on strong lately. But it was just like, like you said, when you look at, uh, everybody around here with Hattiesburg and, and Wayne County, Laurel and West Jones, Florence already has eight wins. 
And uh, a lot of a lot of Southern Miss listeners don't know this. The head coach of uh, Florence, Rod Davis, former teammate of mine, uh, one of the greatest linebackers in, in in history. If Florence wins tonight, they get to nine wins, which I th- I've watched Natchez play. But what's crazy about that? Part of the tiebreaker is you you put all the teams in there. Whoever has uh, it's like three or four steps in the MHSAA, but Florence because of the nine wins and because they have a head to head win over Laurel. It, it may not even matter what happens Saturday night. It's just what's what's crazy is you won't know tonight, you won't know tomorrow night. You're gonna have to wait till the early hours of Sunday before you figure out what's going on in Region Three Five A. You you want to get even weirder? So Florence has nine, uh, or I guess could have nine wins, right? If they win tonight, yep. In uh, the Four A, Three A, and Two A, there are not one, not two, but three teams that have won exactly one ball game and made it to the playoffs. There are several two-win teams that made it to the playoffs, but I counted them this morning. There are three one-win teams that won the right game, and they're in the playoffs this year for in 4A, 3A, and 2A. I'm glad you mentioned that, Will, because you know if college football can have a certain number of wins before you're eligible to be in a bowl game, they, they because it's, it's a joke, and I'd like to know – I'd like to know when one of these one or two win teams beat a Jeff Davis County or or a Picayune. It you know, ain't gonna happen. Getting in? No, it, it's it's just it's it a waste of time. And I know it's it's all a money grab. I mean, I, but it's it's a shame that somebody like a Florence may not get in the playoffs. And you got these teams who have done nothing but win one or two games, and they're going to get in. It's just you know, I know the world is not perfect. But it can be a little bit more perfect than that. Well, we we got about thirty seconds left. I wanted to ask you about this one real quick because this one's flying under the radar. But Morton at Raleigh—that's a very good game. Raleigh, obviously a contender in three A, and Morton is a sneaky good team. They beat Pearl, a six A team, at Pearl at Pearl's homecoming in overtime uh, back earlier in the season. Morton is a sneaky, sneaky good team. Stuff. So, that's one of the, the few games tonight in, in 3A football that's going to be really interesting. Uh, there's not a whole lot of them, but that is definitely one of them. All right, Wells, the scoreboard on Friday night as usual, 10 o'clock? Friday night as usual. Uh, we're not doing anything tonight. I will, will not have my preview show this week, but uh, we'll have the 10 p.m. show tomorrow night. All right, buddy, we appreciate you very much. Yes, sir. All right, Willie, Super Talk High School scoreboard. When we come back, Former Boise State coach Jim Kreiner, father of linebacker coach Mark Kreiner, joins the Eagle Hour. Looking forward to that conversation. Stay with us. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, this segment of the Eagle Hour is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They'll have the big game on the TV. You can be sure of that Saturday afternoon. Great lunch, uh, Monday through Friday, $9.95. That includes your drink and your tax, and it's always good. And a great place to hang out this weekend uh, during Southern Miss football 
as uh, the Golden Eagles get ready to take on Georgia State. Yeah, but if you're more in the mood for breakfast, if you're more in the mood for breakfast, don't forget Mobay Beignets. Uh, Mobay Beignets is the official beignet uh, store of the Eagle Hour. And, of course, as the seasons change, their dipping sauces change, you know, because some things are seasonal, like, the, you know, the pumpkin spice now is gone, and and now you got blackberry and some things like that. That's a, but Mobay Beignet is right across the campus from uh, Southern Miss. But this ge- being a 2 o'clock game on Saturday, you might want to stop by there uh, and grab grab a quick bite before, you know, coming over to campus for uh, the football game against uh, Georgia State. We had Coach Jim Kreiner on the line. Lost him. Yeah, and lost him, and we're, we're trying to reestablish contact yep. uh, with him. Quick so. reminder, uh, while we're saying if we can do that, you might try texting him, Kelly. And yeah. See if, uh, I want to remind you about the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. You can hear it every day on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And uh, one more reminder, we'll be at Reed Green Coliseum Monday, and uh, we'll be talking uh, to Coach Steve Knight from William Carey, Jay Ladner from Southern Miss, uh, Joy Lee McNellis, uh, obviously the women's coach at Southern Miss, and uh, really looking forward to that. As we attempt to reconnect uh, with Coach Kreiner, and as of right now, we just haven't been able to. Certainly want to mention the, the passing of the great Golden Eagle, Ray Guy, and uh, I think by all consideration, the greatest punter of all time in the National Football League. He passed away yesterday after a lengthy battle uh, with cancer. Of course, he played for the uh, – Raiders from 73 to 86 was the first punter ever to be taken in the first round of the NFL draft when he was drafted 23rd overall. First Golden Eagle to get in the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, he was, uh, listen to these stats, he was a six-time All-Pro selection, seven-time Pro Bowl selection in all 207 games during his 14-year NFL career and appeared in three Super Bowls, marked the most victories by a punter in NFL history. He is a, was a great Raider, obviously a legendary Golden Eagle, and uh, I don't know, guys, what do you say about the great Ray Guy? Well, not just a great football player, but anybody that, that ever saw Ray Guy athletically. I mean, this was a guy that could throw a baseball through a brick wall. He could hit a golf ball about 350 yards on the fly. I mean, there wasn't anything that, that, that he could not do you know, athletically, it just so happens that he wound up in the NFL. Now, you know, so much is made of Ray Guy and all the accolades he's gotten, he's deserved. But sometimes we forget that Gerald Wilson uh, preceded Ray Guy as a Golden Eagle in the NFL. And those two guys played on rival teams. Gerald Wilson kicked for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, punted for some of the great Chiefs teams in the early AFC. And then Ray Guy, you know, followed him. Uh, at Oakland. So Southern Miss has produced two great punters that have been in the NFL. But the overall athleticism of Ray Guy, most people, even really good athletes like Steve Knight that you mentioned, uh, and some of the other guys that have come through all were in awe of the whatever Ray Guy decided to play, he played it well. He was amazing. Yeah, I even heard a story, Luke Johnson, that the Chinese ping pong team came through USM one time. I don't know that I believe this one. And that Ray Guy beat one of those guys in ping pong. I'm sure he did. I mean, there was nothing athletically that he could he could not do. And he still holds the all-time season career interception record. You know, he's in front of – think about the, the great defensive backs that we've had come through here. But, yeah, he in 1972 had eight interceptions. And he is all-time – he is second all-time 
in front of uh, Patrick Sertain, in front of Kerry Valerie. 18 career interceptions for uh, for Ray Guy. I, I, I know there's there's several stories that you could you know go down that, but I've heard Rick Cleveland talk about how he could hit the, the golf ball. But, yeah, when you play special teams at Southern Miss, you live under the shadow of 44. And, and that's, you know, was, it was, I was always personally motivated to know that I was carrying on uh, as best I could the legacy that he and Gerald Wilson had laid out for us. Yeah. Was he not the first punter in the NFL, Luke, that, that actually hit the scoreboard at the Superdome with one so, of his punts? So, yeah, they – Back in the day, it was it was a little obviously lower than what it is now. But yeah, he hit it on a punt, and after that, they had to raise it. Um, but that was the thing with Ray. I mean, and he had <laughs> he had over it was over two hundred punts inside the the ten yard line, and and it was for him. You know, at that day, there was no no, no Aussie kicks. There was nothing with you know the the backspin. Uh, it was just pure placement, and and one of the things that that I was still I've always been amazed at. He went out, you know, one of his camps in the Rock. Uh, it was before I played there, but he would put a cone um, about on the five yard line, and he would stand, you know, around the fifty, and then he would just, you know, coughing these punts and tennis shoes, and he would hit that cone <laughs> more times than not. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Now here are a couple other fascinating stats. He had a sixty-one yard field goal at Utah State. Uh, while he was at Southern Miss, and at the time, that was the NCAA record for the longest field goal. He was a unanimous choice as an All-American in 1972. That's pretty rare. In addition, he was also recognized as one of the best baseball players in Golden Eagle history. He pitched one of only six no-hitters in school history. He was drafted three times by Major League Baseball. And I remember Nick uh Crawford telling me uh, that um, that he thought that Ray Guy would have been in the Baseball Hall of Fame had he chosen to play professional baseball. He was that good at baseball. And I think Steve Knight was one of was maybe the last guy to pitch a no hitter. Could be at uh, at Southern Miss. So we'll get Steve's perspective you know, Monday when you get to talk to him. But yeah, a guy that that uh, and 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 those guys come along every once in a while. The Bo Jacksons, the Deion yeah. Sanders. There are not very many of them, but uh, and and when you looked at Ray, particularly in his in his later years when he was still healthy, though even he was very slender. This is not a guy that you'd look at and go, "This is an NFL football player," mm-hmm. right? But man, it's it's just amazing how some people are gifted with that much ability. It, it seems like it was just it was a few years ago. It seems like it was a short time that uh, he was uh, recognized at a football game. The Alumni Association, I believe, gave him a brand new pickup truck. And I, I remember him driving off the field and straight out of the parking lot and left in his truck at halftime. And uh, and I, I guess that'll be the last memory I have of him. But he was one of the first people that came on this show when we put this show on the air five years ago. And he was very gracious and spent an entire hour with us and uh, told the story of hitting that gondola in the Super Bowl in the Superdome. And he said that. He, he was looking up. I want to say it was in a Pro Bowl. And uh, he was looking up at it, and one of the officials looked at him and said, you're going to hit it, aren't you? And uh, he kind of smiled and nodded his head. And the next time he got the chance to punt, <laughs> he put it right into it. So, uh, yeah, what a – well, Luke, you, you were a kicker in college. There'll never be – there'll never be anyone considered a better punter than Ray Guy, will there? He, he brought respect um... – and showed that if you if you look at the modern punter now, I mean, 
they they are athletes. I mean, and, and we say that you know as a joke, but I mean, Ray was the guy that he just happened to punt. I mean, he was phenomenal at it. But I mean, you know, he was the emergency quarterback for the Raiders. But he did something. He he moved. He just didn't inch the needle forward for special teams. He showed how quality special teams win games, conferences, and championships. You know, Super Bowls because he was a weapon. And I mean that. Yeah, look at you know what Al Davis thought drafting him first. John Madden talked about how you know he was just the the greatest ever. My two memories of of Ray. The first time. Um, we were playing Cincinnati. They were retiring his number, and I got a punt partially blocked before the half. I intentionally ran down the field away from Ray Guy so that I didn't have to meet him when he was getting ready to come onto the field right before halftime. I was embarrassed to see him. After I graduated, I came back for a home game, and he was outside, and and I walked up to him, introduced myself, and then I was floored. He's like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, wow, I made it. Ray Guy knows, knows who I am now as a punter, but – but yeah, he was always, you know, down to earth, always approachable. And, uh, I think I, I read this uh, earlier today. You know, someone just asked him when he was going into, uh, you know, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, what motivated him. And he just said he loved the game. And I mean, that's, that's what epitomized Ray Guy. Yeah. You know, when he went in the Hall of Fame, he gave a shout out to Southern Miss and said, Golden Eagles were finally here. So, he, he was always a Golden Eagle first. And, you know, that's one of the, the traits that seemed to be consistent among former Southern Miss athletes, that they don't get so enamored with themselves that they're not unapproachable. You know, all, all the ones that we've been, you know, talking to on this show, they love to come on. They're very, you know, have great memories of Southern Miss, always very open, and love talking about their times at Southern Miss. And, and I love that about, I love that about Mississippi. I don't think anybody really takes themselves too seriously, as none of us should. The great red guy, dead at the age of 73. We'll be right back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back. Bob, Kelly, Luke. We're at the Southern Bank Corps Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. This segment is sponsored by D1 and D-Bat right on Hardy Street. State-of-the-art training for kids in baseball and softball for adults in every sport. D1, D-Bat on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. All right, we have relocated, reconnected uh, with football coach Jim Kreiner. He is the dad of Mark Kreiner, the linebacker coach. Here at Southern Miss, but boy, what a what a history himself. Boise State head coach, seventy six to eighty three. Iowa State, eighty four to eighty six. Coach to the XFL, Las Vegas Outlaws, the NFL European League. Spent five years under Dick Vermeil with the Kansas City Chiefs from two thousand to two thousand five. Also coached at UCLA. I could go on and on, coach, but it's a short segment, 
and it would take the whole segment uh, to talk about your career. But welcome to Hattiesburg. Glad you're here to uh, watch your son coach uh, this weekend, and it's a pleasure to have you on our radio show. Thank you very much. I've been out the last two days watching the team work out, and I'm really impressed with your new coach who's been here. This is his second year and what he's done with that team already. No question. All right, real quickly, because I know Kelly and Luke have something, but I heard you saying okay. that we, before you before you left or after you left Boise State, they put that terrible blue field down and that birds actually crash into the field thinking that it's water. Yeah, we, you know, when I went back and, and saw the turf for the first time, I actually had the unfortunate opportunity to watch a couple of them breast dive, you know, into the turf. And uh, the, the real soon after that, they started putting any time the field wouldn't be in use, and they still have to do this today, they put things around there that would scare the, the birds off. That's great. Yeah, because, they, they, again, thinking it was water, they dive bomb in there, and they wind up breaking their necks. It's, it was terrible. You've done that a few nights, Saturday nights, have you, Kelly? Well, yeah, but that's not because I'm, I'm – <laughs> I'm taking a dive, but it ain't because I'm flying. Uh, Coach Kreiner, because you were my hero at Iowa State. You were there when I was there. That first year, you started to turn the Cyclone program around. You had, had assembled a great assistant coaching staff and had one good year, and then they all left you. But there's a specific reason why. Tell us about that. Well, the, the USFL came into being, and, of course, that, that for a lot of coaches is the the on uh, – uh, opportunity to go go from there to the NFL. And so they hired four of my coaches, and each of the le- next two years they came and got another one. And uh, four of those uh, six altogether ended up being head coaches in the NFL, just to give you an idea of the quality. Wow. Get in here, Luke, with uh, Coach Kreiner. A few minutes we got left. Coach, thanks so much for coming on today. We we just spent uh, the last segment talking about Ray Guy and uh, you know the great just the the legend that he is. How did he? Because because he was coming into the NFL right when you were head coach at Boise. How did guys like Ray Guy basically transform football, where everybody said special teams, you know, is is a, is a valuable and important part of the football team, game. Well, you know, any time that you go into that level of competition, you've got to have some very impressive uh, abilities yourself in order to be recognized. And Ray did. There was not, there was no wasted time with him, him being able to demonstrate his ability. And within the the middle of that first year, he was in there. He was one. Of, he was pushing the other guys that had been in the league for a while for recognition. I got to tell you, the first time that I saw Jim, I was a student uh, broadcaster at Iowa State University. Coach Kreiner's first game didn't go the way that he wanted it to go. Walked into the press conference, had a clipboard, and threw it across the room, put a hole in the drywall at the press conference, and he stood right up to the microphone and he said, if the guys that we have on this roster aren't going to play football the way that it needs to be played, by God, I'm getting rid of them and getting guys in here who want to do it right. All right, Coach, I'll give you a chance to say if that's a true story or not. <laughs> well, it, it is a true story. I don't remember what I said. I was pretty hot, you know, but we we just had, we had some guys that just, you know, uh, laid down. But he, the, the thing about it is that that was a program that was rated as the worst football program in college football. <laughs> and, you know, when you're young, and like I was at that time, you think you can climb the mountain in one, one day or one year. And it just it is it's much harder than that. It it took us 
uh, three years in order to become competitive with the rest of the league. And in the fourth year, the only two teams that we, we, we came close to beating them but didn't was Oklahoma and Nebraska. That's those pretty two good teams there. <laughs> yeah, back All right, up. Coach, just a few seconds left, but what's it like now to watch your son, Coach? I'm sure that's thrilling for you. Oh, it's, it's a real thrill. You know, when I was at, at that, you mentioned my time in the XFL, and, uh, you know, my son, I was in NFL Europe at the time, and I gave up a head job there to come back and take the team in Las Vegas because they would let me hire my son, and nobody else in football would allow you to do that because of nepotism. And uh, so when when the league told me if I would come back and take the Vegas team, they would let me hire my son, and I did. And that's that's why, we, why you know, for the only time we've had the opportunity to coach together other than, you know, doing it at clinics. And uh, it's, it was a real pleasure, something I live for. A pleasure to have you on the show, sir. We hope you have a good trip here in Hattiesburg, and thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Coach. Jim Kreiner, everybody. All right. Legendary college and professional football coach. All right, tomorrow on the Eagle Hour, Marshant Kenny, Lee Roberts, former defensive coordinator John Thompson, place kicker Briggs Bordeaux. Bourgeois. Bourgeois. And Al Holder. Returns. Kickers are people, too. Kickers are people, too. And Briggs is going to confirm that for Luke tomorrow. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. I want to fly. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.